My name is Pedram Rajabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement or other person. Alright, let's start the show. Okay, so today we're here with Leon Lai, who is a neurosurgeon at Monash Health. Hi Leon, thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Could you please tell us a little bit about um, the current roles that you hold, the hospital that you work at and what they involve? Yeah, so um, I'm a full-time academic neurosurgeon here at Monash Health. Uh, I have a, a senior lecturer appointment at, with the Monash University as well. Uh, my role here is to uh, essentially do uh, um, a lot of the surgeries here, but uh, I have a specialty training also in uh, uh, vascular neurosurgery, so treating brain aneurysms and AVMs. Yeah. Uh, we also, I also do a lot of brain tumours, um, mm -hmm. particularly skull-based tumours. As in some spinal work, um, and on top of that, uh, you have to see patients to op uh, to operate, and or you see them after the surgery, um, and then there's the academic side of things. So there's the the research um, that that we have to do as well, as well as admin. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, could you please tell us a bit about how um, your journey progressed from medical student to where you are now? Wow, it's a long long journey. <laughs> um, so I went to medical school at uh, Melbourne University. Mm -hmm. um, I got a, I got into medicine. I think uh, well directly from uh, well back in those days they didn't have post grad, so we got back got straight into from um, uh, high school. Uh, I must say that I I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, at that time. Yeah. Uh, I was six years of medical school. Uh, I took a year off. Uh, we. Um, then I spent my m most of or most of my uh, pre or clinical years in medical school at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, mm -hmm. and essentially uh, did my internship and residency there. Yeah. Then I got onto the program, uh, neurosurgery program, and I, I came across here to Monash, and I trained here for two years as an accredited trainee. Um, then I uh, decided that I want to pursue a, a career in academic neurosurgery, so I. I interrupted my training and I uh, went, over, uh, to, went over to Sydney to do three years of PhD um, uh, in, in vascular neurosurgery, um, which has proven to be uh, quite useful um, and I can talk to you a bit about that later on, mm -hmm. um, and came back to the Royal Melbourne uh, and finished off my training in neurosurgery um, for another two years yeah. um, and uh, here I am, consultant neurosurgeon. Um, when did you decide that neurosurgery was for you, and did you consider any other specialties? Right. Um, I I didn't go into medicine deciding I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I uh, in in high school I d uh, didn't think I was going to be a doctor. I think things things just happen along the way for you guys. Uh, so for me, and I guess for you guys, um, you know, if you you haven't decided, you don't know what you want to do. Don't worry, it will happen. Um, I. Um, when I when I was in final year medical student um, medical school that is uh, I had an opportunity to, to meet a few amazing people who were neurosurgeons and uh, neurosurgery registrars at the time and I think it um, you'll find that a lot of the people 
um, you meet in, in medicine or surgery that they end up doing what they want to do is just of the people you meet along the way. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't decided what you want to do yet, it's because you haven't met those people yet. And I think one day you will, and uh, it will just just inspire you or, or lead you to that, down that down that path. In terms of what else did I consider, nothing, uh, which was which was kind of kind of scary. Uh, I um, once I decided I wanted to do neurosurgery, and that was towards the end of my medical school in my final year. Um, it was the second half of sixth year. Um, that was it. There was there was no looking back, and I, I, um, and at that time I didn't think there's anything wrong with that. I just just uh, chose something. I just kept at it and, and and decided that was that. But in hindsight, I guess it, it, it was a dangerous move because um, it didn't have any backup. And I, I guess, uh, uh, but no, I've never considered any other subspecialty yeah. other than neurosurgery. Good. Um, so when you decided that neurosurgery was for you, what sort of uh, things did you do to sort of make yourself a better candidate or get into a program or something like that? Um, like many surgical specialties, and I, I can only speak uh, on behalf of the uh, surgical specialties, uh, mm-hmm. not medical, um, but in particular neurosurgery, uh, it's a game and you, you just have to know the game and you have to know the rules of the game and essentially follow those rules. Um, I think. Uh, all of us uh, who do medicine and eventually become doctors, we're all intelligent enough, uh, we're all driven enough to um, essentially achieve what we wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You just set, set your mind to something and you'll, you'll be able to achieve it. Um, the key is to keep at it, um, keep, keep yourself motivated, and, but also understanding very early what, what those rules are. Uh, so, for example, to get into neurosurgery, um, you, you need to have publication, you need to be in research or some sort of research. Uh, obviously, you know, your, um, uh, your work ethics, your attitude at work uh, are so much important. Uh, I can't say that medical marks is a huge thing. I, I don't think I was very good at medical school uh, and I, so it, it can't be, can't be a, a, a key factor in, in deciding whether you're going to be a neurosurgeon or not. But I think what what you do later on after medical school, your attitude at work, uh, your dedication, it's more important than your your academic skills in because yeah. in, in, the currency is different. Once you're at, at, in a work environment, it's, it's no longer that important. You know whether you you've got high marks in something. It's 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 what you're like, whether you're practical or not at work. Mm-hmm. So how competitive would you say neurosurgery is at the moment? It goes um, the neurosurgery goes in waves. There are there are times where it's it's very popular, and there are times it's it's not so popular. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, it still remains a very popular uh, specialty um, in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we um, select approximately uh, anywhere between six to nine candidates a year. That's nationwide and international, mm-hmm. Australia and New Zealand. So roughly one per state um, mm-hmm. in in uh, in Australia. So uh, it is very competitive. Uh, lots of people want lots of people want to do it, and um, and you know it, it, it is um, you know for for some people it's it's easier to get in than others. Um, and again, we can talk about about sort of ways to to to, to optimize your, your opportunity. But I think overall it it, it still remains quite competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and it's a very satisfying job. Yeah. 
Um, what is the average time frame of getting into a registrar training program? Right. Um, I think you have to do one year of internship. Mm-hmm. So once you finish medical school, you do one year of internship. Then you come out and you be a, a, a resident, a general resident. And my advice is for you to, to try and tack onto some neurosurgery residency then. I think the quickest time to get into to get into neurosurgery would be one year of internship, then after that two years of residency, and then after that directly straight into the program uh, itself. Um, the new neurosurgery program at the moment is six years, so you, you start as set one or the uh, first year of neurosurgery training, mm-hmm. um, and it's tough. It, it's very tough. Um, it, it's, it's like getting on a treadmill uh, on an incline, running at full speed. <laughs> Uh, and once you're on, you're on, and you you just have to keep going. Um, yeah. And uh, but at the end of that uh, six years, uh, uh, most people uh, go overseas for a year or so uh, to do a fellowship training, and then they come back and um, and start working. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, how should a medical student or a junior doctor um, who is interested in neurosurgery make him or herself a more desirable candidate? Right. So I, I think the, the, the first thing to uh, obviously decide is um, whether you like or like neurosurgery or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more important to it than that is you need to figure out for yourself, and it's a very, very personal uh, decision, uh, is that why you like it. You have to understand the motivation behind it. Uh, I'd say that a lot of people are interested in neurosurgery because they... They like the idea of being a neurosurgeon, being a brain surgeon. They like the idea of of hard working, intense training. Uh, but you know, once they actually, once reality hits and they become a registrar and they have to work the, the you know the hours and stay up two o'clock in the morning and then get get yelled at by you know colleagues and so on and so forth, or they face with complication. I think I think that's when reality hits. And so, um, my advice is. Uh, Keep that, keep that interest, um, but more important is, there to, is, is figure out why you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, that's important because that's the, the only reason to keep you going. Then actually go and do it. Go in, uh, uh, you know, do a, do a residency, but not, don't stop there. Don't, don't decide uh, yes or no whether you're going to do neurosurgery just based on your resident experience because you really have not uh, experienced neurosurgery until you uh, work as a registrar. Okay. So. My advice is to really get into the, the job, be a registrar, and figure out for yourself after one year, is this something that you really want to do? Um, and if your answer is still yes, then then, then go for it. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you did a PhD. Do you mm. think like research or extra degrees is beneficial to...? Not necessary. Okay. Uh, obviously, um, a PhD is, is like... Uh, I'd, my, I advise it as like a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use it to to um, get you somewhere later on uh, in your career. And uh, I knew very early on in my training that I, I wanted to, to be academic. Uh, I didn't want to just be a service provider and just do the neurosurgery. Um, so I wanted to, to write, I wanted to research and wanted to con- contribute. And I think PhD was, was good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to... Uh, be committed. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a, a a real sacrifice. You know, your 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 colleagues are, are heading somewhere. They're moving forward, and you're basically staying behind for an extra three years, um, not getting paid, 
um, and, uh, and working on something that you may not necessarily understand fully to start off with. Um, so you have to trust and you have to believe that it, it's, it's going to get you somewhere and it, it will mm. take you somewhere good. Um, and it has for a lot of people. Uh, and I think it's not so much of your project, but the, the skill set that you, you get out of it, your ability to read papers, your ability to write papers, mm-hmm. your ability to run a research project, to run a research meeting. Uh, these are all very essential and important skills uh, later on in your career, if academic career is, is what you choose to do. Make sure to keep in touch with us through social media. Our handle is at the Med Collab, that's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. Now back to the show. So you knew quite early on that you wanted to do neurosurgery. For someone who's not quite sure and kind of decides a little bit later on, do you reckon it's going to be more difficult for them to commit to a registrar training program given they haven't prepared sort of earlier on in yeah. there? Look, I, um, I can't uh, say that a lot for a lot of people because I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm in the small group of people who's fortunate where I sort of figure out what I like to uh, very early on, mm. and I, I just uh, sort of stuck to it. Um, but in in over the years, um, I, I've, I figure out is a, a, a few types of people, uh, a few types of doctors or junior doctors. There's the type where they don't know what they want to do mm-hmm. because they like everything, uh, or they don't know what they want to do because they don't like anything. Um, and I say both of those groups are just as bad um, because um, it is, whether you like it or not, it is a competitive field. Um, your colleagues are moving ahead. Um, if you like something uh, in, very early on, that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to really like it and you have to, uh, you know, really think that you can you can spend your life doing, some, doing, doing this. And... Uh, so if you're one of those lucky people, uh, not, not smart, you're just lucky that you, you know what you want to do early on, then that's an advantage. But if you're in the majority of the groups where you're not sure or you kind of want, wanted to experiment things and wanted to rule out what you don't like and then stick with what you do like, mm-hmm. um, what I suggest you do is um, maybe not spend too much time think about what you like and what you don't like, but maybe uh, think about yourself what what motivates you as a person what um, understand yourself a bit more I think that will help you with your decision making uh, in, um, in in whatever field medical or surgical okay um, so could you tell us a little bit about what your typical day or week involves um, <clears throat> it depends on uh, what well, usually starts very early and finishes very late, but it, it depends on whether I'm operating or not, uh, or non-operating days. Mm-hmm. Um, an average day would be, um, I, I, I get up uh, just before six. Um, if, if, it's a, it's, if it's a workout day, then I go to the gym uh, and uh, I get home and then um, uh, have, have a quick breakfast and go <laughs> head, off, head off to work there just before seven. Um, uh, get to work I'll just answer some emails um, uh, some quick emails um, for the day and then I'll do a walk around make sure that all the patients are okay uh, then I head into the uh, operating theatre um, and 
if it's a case of the registrar can start, I usually let them start uh, start the case, and at which point I'd use that time to do uh, administrative work. Um, otherwise, I'll be operating. Um, sometimes I'll be operating all day because there's a few cases, a few complex cases, and um, and if it's all all day list, and then you finish your day, and then you go and you catch up with other patients uh, afterwards in the ward and. Uh, and then you plan for your day for tomorrow, and then you have you you know you you head out of the hospital, and that's usually usually about seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night time. Mm-hmm. Um, some days I operate in the morning, and I have cleanings in the afternoon, and that makes it a bit more tricky. So, um, but again, in general, um, you know you, you you would start pretty early and finish pretty late. Uh, I work um, Monday to Fridays and half days on Saturdays. So. So my my wife and kids know that you know Saturday morning is also a work day for me. Yeah. So how much time do you spend on non-clinical work or your research or your academic? So oh, um, uh, that's at night time. Okay. Uh, so uh, when I get home, uh, I have dinner you know, with with my family and then uh, put my kids to bed and spend a bit of time with my wife and then she goes to bed and so that's after 10 p.m between 10 and 12, 10 p.m. and 12 uh, at midnight. That's that's paper writing time or, mm-hmm. or reading papers or catch up with a few things. So um, unfortunately, academic work, uh, research and, and writing papers uh, uh, on top of your uh, clinical duties. And so that, that sort of um, has to come out of your, sometimes your personal time in, in the evening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what would you say is the most rewarding part of neurosurgery? Um, the most rewarding part of neurosurgery is um, having the ability you're, you're given or realizing that you're, you're, you've been given an opportunity in this life to, to do something great, uh, to do something interesting and to do something that can make a huge impact, has a, can make a huge impact uh, for people. Um, so, and, and I, I think um, the most rewarding part is not, you know, when you're able to take the pain away from from someone or taking a tumor away and knowing that you you, you made a difference mm-hmm. and what aspect of your job would you say you struggle the most complications with? yeah um, and I think uh, just in as the same same uh, as the the rewarding part um, you know the, the the uniqueness of neurosurgery is that um, there's very small mar- margin for error uh, and that margin can be the difference between having a good outcome and having a bad outcome. And and the hardest part to, to take is having that bad outcome and uh, and knowing that you've made a mistake, but the patient has to live with that uh, for the rest of his or her life um, because of a stroke or because of, of some or hand weakness or uh, some kind of neurological deficit, uh, knowing that the patient has to live with that for the rest of his or her life because of, of a mistake that you've made. Um, and that's hard. And it's hard because you don't, you know, unlike most jobs in neurosurgery, you don't finish when you leave the hospital. You know, your your patients come with you uh, into your home. You know, you think about the cases and you, you worry about the patients and you think about the complications. So your mind never stops. So it's really bad for you if you're into yoga and meditation because neurosurgery wouldn't work. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned before that you're kind of working until 12 a.m. and then yeah. getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of sleep. Yeah. Do you find that that affects you? or? We actually don't need a lot of sleep. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, 
Does it affect me? I'm not sure. Look, I, I'd say that uh, I'm used to it now. Uh, was I always like this? No. Uh, I, I was. I was. I'd say that the, the training, the training um, uh, along the way, uh, changed me, uh, and it will change you. Uh, but I'm not naturally like this. I'm not naturally diligent. I'm not naturally. Uh, I like my sleep. Oh, I used to like my sleep. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's just the, the training over time change you, yeah. uh, for the better or worse. What, what you know, uh, whatever that definition for you is. Um, and uh, I guess uh, this is the life that I chose, and this is the sort of things that attracted me to neurosurgery at the start, the the, the late nights, the early the early mornings, the um, the hard the, you know the the, the hard training, the, the the technically challenging, difficult cases um, uh, the the technicality of things I think all of these aspects is, is what got me into neurosurgery yeah um, how long would you say is the sort of average operation time for each surgery that you do on average an operation takes about three hours or so uh, okay. and but it can range from very quick sort of one hour case run our cases to uh, anything beyond 12 or 14 hours um, so um, it's not a it's not a measure of um, your uh, you know uh, it's not a measure of, of your might uh, as a yeah. surgeon it's it's it, it's really based on the, the cases the requirement of the case um, you know my patients want a lot of they want a lot from me, but the one thing they don't want is for me to rush the operation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, uh, uh, I, I, but, uh, you know, on average, to answer your question, on average, it's about three hours per case. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever experienced sort of like burning out too early or just too much exhaustion? Uh, yeah, there are moments. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, that happens um, to, to anybody. And I think it's, uh, that's that's important. Uh, that becomes important um, when you you need to have something outside of, of your work, and you need to have something that uh, you know your your identity is not your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hopefully more than just a neurosurgeon. Yeah. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm somebody somebody else outside of this this workplace. And I think um, I think that's what keeps you going. Yeah. Um, uh, do I get burned out? Yeah, I do get burned out. Um, uh, you know, uh, but you you figure out that this is what you wanted to do. Um, this is the life you've chosen, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know you, you have a you have a rest, just a, a, a few days rest, yeah. and you get back you get get back to work. Okay, um, are you happy with the, your work life balance at the moment and the time that you get to spend with your family? Uh, I am. Yeah. Um, but might be different if you ask my wife. <laughs> um, look, I think uh, to to all you guys out there, I think that um, two things in life, two major decisions in life that you you you, you ever want to have a happy life. Uh, two major decisions is make sure you choose the right career because mm-hmm. that's uh, that will account for about eighty to ninety percent of your day. Yeah. Okay. So the right career because your career in medicine or surgery will account for about 80 to 90 percent of your time um, so you have to really really choose that carefully that remaining 10 percent is for your wife and your husband so 
the second decision that you're going to make is make sure you choose the right spouse <laughs> uh, to keep you happy. Um, and uh, and so uh, I don't have a lot of time for myself. Uh, yeah. I, I do take some time out for myself, but um, outside of work, it's family time. It's, okay. it's, 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 uh, so I think, you know, y- you can imagine work takes up about 90% of my time and 10% of my time is family. So it, mm-hmm. it's um, those two major decisions that you, you have to think and choose very carefully. Yeah. So would you say there's not a lot of time to sort of pursue interests outside of medicine and um, neurosurgery? I used to have a lot of interests, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you don't have a lot of time now to to um, uh, do what you would like to do on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah. Having said that, uh, that's that's just me. I think a lot of my uh, senior, more senior colleagues, who's probably achieved a better ba- you know work life uh, balance. Um, uh, you know, a lot of them play golf uh, every week. They have a, a dedicated time out where uh, every week, every weeknight, they go and play squash or they meet their mates and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's something I like to pursue later on. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more difficult um, uh, as a as a, a young uh, consultant neurosurgeon to, as you come out to. Um, you know, you, you obviously want to start to work hard b- when you first start, so yeah. it, it's a bit more di- different as you know, uh, as you get older. Yeah. Would you say it's gotten worse or better since finishing registrar training program? Uh, it's different. It's different mm-hmm. um, because um, so the good thing about uh, being a, a consultant now is that you your time is your time, and you you get mm-hmm. to. Uh, design your time or your day and and how hard you want to work or how little you want to work yeah. uh, having said that in neurosurgery it's pretty hard not to work hard because the the, the nature of the work itself uh, demands hard work mm-hmm. um but you, you know you're allowed to you can choose that you want to do part-time and do full-time um but when you're a registrar when you're training um, it's 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 full time. As the analogy is, is on the treadmill at an incline. You you yeah. gotta you gotta keep running and you can't stop. Yeah. Okay. So where do you see your field in about five to ten years? Just about the same as the last five years. Okay. Cool. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't think technology will change or? Technology uh, will always change what yeah. we do. Uh, I think um, the. We, I'm currently one of my projects is I work with the the, the Monash University and we're developing a, a, a robot mm-hmm. uh, to to perform uh, neurosurgery, um, and technology will change what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least in the foreseeable future, what we have now is is pretty good. Uh, yeah. We do we do a good job at what we have, mm-hmm. and uh, and I can't see how things can change drastically. Um, but research, on the other hand, uh, will change things drastically. And I think the, the big difference, and if, if any of you out there who wants to make a big difference in, in life and in neurosurgery, uh, particularly in brain tumours, um, I encourage you to get into research because that's where you, make, you can make a huge impact. Um, on a clinical work, um, you know, you, you, do, you do the surgery and you, do, you operate, um, but the, the progress is, is, is very, very tiny compared to what you can make in research. If there's any doctors you'd like us to interview, or if there's any questions you'd like asked, please shoot us a message. We listen and respond to every single message that comes through. 
Do you find that a lot of uh, neurosurgeons have subspecialized? Yeah, so it's it's moving towards that way, yeah. and uh, certainly in the United States and North America, um, uh, uh, many neurosurgeons have subspecialized mm-hmm. uh, because of the demands for for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, we're being a little bit slow, but I we we are moving towards um, uh, that direction because we are um, producing more and more neurosurgeons now. Yeah, our population in Australia certainly is, is not. Great, not high compared to North America. So mm. the volume uh, is, is such that it demands subspecialty, and I, I think, um, and it is it is um, being demonstrated over and over again that uh, you know subspecialty and volume uh, and doing more cases in the, in higher volume do make uh, do give a, a more superior outcome. So so I think it's a good thing that that we are uh, heading towards more subspecialty training. Yeah. Um, where do you think the greatest shortage in terms of specialty is at the moment? In subspecialty in neurosurgery or specialty in general? Both. Um, in the, the shortage in s- surgical specialty, um, and again, this is uh, my opinion, it's, uh, it may not be representative of the truth, mm-hmm. is uh, I think um, cardiothoracic surgery is, is uh, uh, unfortunately declined. Uh, over the years because of the increase in cardiology and, and the vascular work from a cardiology perspective. But mm-hmm. certainly once upon a time, maybe just few, you know, 30, 40 years ago, yeah. um, that was one of the most popular surgical, subspeci- surgical specialties uh, and perhaps one of the most demanding mm-hmm. uh, subspecialties. Um, and certainly that's, that's that uh, the cardiology, interventional cardiology has, has changed the landscape of that. Um, in neurosurgery itself, um, uh, there are many subspecialties, but in Australia, the one that's on the increase is spine, so it's complex spine and spinal uh, deformities. Um, but what's on a decline is what I do, which is which is vascular uh, neurosurgery. So uh, uh, again, that that uh, means treating brain aneurysms and APMs. Um, because of the introduction of intervention neuro uh, neuroradiology, so uh, okay. coiling and, and embolization of things, and that that has that has uh, somewhat changed or impacted on what we do, uh, but this is still a demand for it, and um, and, and and I enjoy it because it's perhaps one of the most te- technically demanding uh, yeah. aspect of neurosurgery. Okay, um, so what kind of people do you think should do neurosurgery? What kind of people? Um, I think you 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 have to be um, someone who is in it for the long distance. Uh, I think uh, it's not something that if you're one of those people that uh, with an attention span of half an hour and, and then move on to something else, then it's probably not for you. Uh, I think you sh- I think you know I I think of at least uh, neurosurgery more like a marathon running and. You know, you you have to think of the long distance because when you get tired, you got to keep going. When you fall down, you can get back up and keep going. Um, and there will be times where you question what will you do, and you you wonder if you could do something else. And so I think you know you have to be dedicated. Um, you have to in it for the long haul. Okay. Uh, so last question: Is sure. there anything that you would have wanted to know as an intern that you know now? <laughs> Um, 
I wish someone had told me when I was an intern that I would be a neurosurgeon one day. So I would have stopped, uh, I could have stopped trying so hard back then. Uh, and I think because I was so, um, once I decided that neurosurgery was what I wanted to do as a medical student, yeah. my entire focus, entire focus in my internship, residency, was to get onto the program and be a neurosurgeon. And now that I've hit that mark, I'm kind of like, well, what's next? Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that my advice out there to you guys is that, again, I emphasize that we're all intelligent people. Uh, you're all doing medicine because you're intelligent. And if you put your mind onto something, you'll get it. Um, you, you just need to trust that that's what you'll get. Um, but you must take some time out to to do other things and to um, enjoy your life and, and not to be too focused uh, at your level, not to be too focused on, on, on achieving something. Uh, so trust that you're going to get there, uh, but at the same time to take some time out to, to enjoy life and to um, uh, learn about other things and to travel and learn about yourself and, and have some life outside of, outside of work. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you for your time, Leon. You're welcome. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to complete the survey for this episode. We want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. All right, guys, see you next week.